In this episode of Rolling with Ray, you will meet Sherry Jones, an occupational therapist who was my occupational therapist 40 years ago as I was going through a difficult time in my life. She will describe what it was like working with me. Sherry has a BSN from the University of Nebraska School of Nursing and a master's degree in occupational therapy from Texas Women's University in Denton, Texas. She has several years working as a, with spinal cord injuries. Today, she is retired. She enjoys traveling, gardening, and is a huge Cornhusker fan. So it is my privilege and my honor to present Sherry Jones on my podcast, Rolling with Ray. Sherry, good morning. Good morning, Ray. Glad, glad to have you on here. Um, so the first question I have for you is, uh, what made you get into becoming an occupational therapist and what inspired you to work with spinal cord injuries? Well, according to my mother, I wrote a paper in eighth grade about occupational therapy, but I forgot all about it and went into nursing instead. So I was, um, I did a lot of um, bedside nursing and then I was working at the Visiting Nurses Association and I worked with an OT there. And I told her one day that I really wished I had done that. And she said, well, you still can. And I just laughed at her. But I worked with her with some of the patients and I was doing the, what I call maintenance, you know, the dressing changes, working with the medications. And I liked what she was doing. She was more forward looking, looking at the future of the patient not just how they're doing right now and the problem solving aspects and just getting them back to their, and it was just very appealing. So I went up to Denton and next thing I knew I was in the master's program with two little kids at home. <laughs> wow, that's awesome, that's awesome. It was fun. So Sherry, the, the year is 1981, May, kind of towards the end of June. And uh, I had just been moved from St. Paul's Hospital to Dallas Rehab Institute. So this was like my first day at DRI, uh, which is Dallas Rehab Institute. And so I'm being introduced to my medical field of team that's gonna be helping me out to adjust to my new life. You know, I had uh, doctors, I had nurses, I had uh, physical therapists, uh, respiratory therapists, behavioral medicine. They were all coming in and introducing themselves and telling me what my next five months of my life would be like. Uh, you happen to be my occupational therapist. So can you describe to our listeners and tell them how it is to handle newly patients? And could you also tell if I was scared or <laughs> if I was lost? Because I, you know, I had gone through one of my, one of the most difficult times in my life. I wouldn't ever describe you as scared or lost. Um, maybe the mother in me saw a 16-year-old that I just could not imagine what you were going through. Um, I think your background had you in a position of being comfortable in a group and um, I see apprehensive would be a good way to describe you, um, but not scared and lost, you know, kind of like it's another football game. I'm ready for this. <laughs> that might be an exaggeration. Well, but. to tell you the truth, I, you know, I, you know, I was 16 years old, as you mentioned, and I had no idea where I was going to be going, and uh, I felt like I was 
and going into a nut house because uh, I was in a room that had five other quadriplegics mm -hmm. and I didn't know what my expectations were. Uh, I didn't know what I was going to, I didn't know what I was getting into. Uh, so, uh, but you, you surely handled the situation well and introduced yourself and, and I thought uh, I adjusted to my new life uh, as it was back then. Uh, definitely, smoothly. definitely. A good transition. Yeah. You know, one of the, the first adjustments for a quadriplegic is to get back in their chairs. So I had been in a, uh, I guess, laying in bed for like two or three weeks. And so when I first got up and they sat me up in a wheelchair, uh, I nearly passed out because all, you know, I'd been laying down for three weeks and all the blood flow goes to your head. And without somebody having to tilt your wheelchair back, uh, you'll pass out if you, if you don't do that. So how, how a patient was it for you as far as working with newly injured uh, quadriplegics that uh, I'm sure you have to be very patient and you have to exactly know uh, what that person is going through. Can you explain to our viewers how that works and how patiently you must be? There's no way to really know what they're going through, but understanding is so important. And I hate to keep relying on the fact that I was older than some of the therapists and that I was a mom, but I still think it helps. Um, and just understanding, just can you imagine what he's going through, you know, just from your own standpoint. Um, because you've got to be patient and be, meet them where they are. If they're scared, that's okay. Sure. That's understandable. If they're angry, that's okay too. You know, it's all very understandable what they're going through. Can you describe to our viewers how many uh, patients you had on a typical day at Dallas Rehab Institute? Um, in a rehab setting at that time, a typical caseload would be maybe six patients, but you saw each patient several times a day. You'd see them a couple times in the clinic for strengthening or hand function or activities to improve their function. Um, probably see them in the morning for ADL activities of daily living, dressing, hygiene, getting ready in the morning. Um, might meet them in the cafeteria uh, to help them with self-feeding if that's an issue they're having to deal with. Um, might do some co-treatments with physical therapy for some mat exercises. So there's several times that those six patients are worked into your schedule during the day. So it's a pretty full load. I bet. I can, I can only imagine. Mm -hmm. Well, and I actually lived it and saw it. So uh, yeah. uh, I kind of knew that uh, the occupational therapists and physical therapists, uh, they see a lot of patients mm -hmm. during, that, during those times. Can you, um, can you describe to our viewers uh, how you handle patients that are going through a depression and they're not really listening to you and they don't want to listen to you because you got to understand somebody has just totally hundred percent changed their entire life. Uh, the once the life they once knew is no longer there. Mm -hmm. So how do you handle somebody that is going through, that is depressed and going through depression? Well, you know, it's, is it just, they're down for the day? 
Yes. Or is it really major depression? No, just down for the right. day. They don't want to listen to right. you that day. Because if it's major depression, that's a real team effort, and the behavioral behavioral uh, department is really involved in that. And it's yeah, an I'm issue. talking about more like if they, they don't want to listen to you, that you're trying to explain them to that this is the way it's best to put on a shirt, or this is the best way to feed yourself, or this is the best right. way to to bathe. Right. How, how do you Crummy do day. Yes, Crummy day. just having a yeah. bad day. Um, maybe give them a pass. Mm -hmm. You know, don't be pushy. Um, or do some, you know, encourage them to do some aspect of the activity that they might be willing to do. Or just maybe just instead of doing that activity that day, you just talk about it. Sure. And, you know, what do they see as what they need to work on and interested in doing? Yeah, you know, because when I was in the rehab, there were times where, you know, I didn't want to listen to anybody. Right. But I knew that in order for me to get better, mm -hmm. I needed to listen to those folks. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that was quite a learning curve and a learning experience for me. So that therapy session, you know, I might do a little bit more of the activity for you while we mm -hmm. talk. You know, and sure. So, uh, Sherry, one of, uh, as you're well aware of this, uh, but our, our viewers are not, is that when you're a quadriplegic, you lose control of your bowel and bladder functions. And so you have to relearn how to use all that back and you have to program those back into your, your body. Um, so there would be times that uh, you'd be coming in at seven in the morning and I would have to be uh, doing a self catheterization to empty out my bladder and I would basically be naked at seven o'clock in the morning and I'm not used to uh, people seeing me naked. I mean, I think the only person that had ever seen me naked was my mom. Mm -hmm. uh, how do you handle patients and how uncomfortable that must feel when you're actually helping a patient trying to better themselves, but they're laying in that bed butt naked? With a blanket on. With a blanket on, <laughs> sure, sure, absolutely. Wait. You were probably damned from the beginning. First off, <laughs> I'm a nurse, right? Sure. You know, nothing's very sacred to a nurse. Sure. Absolutely. So that's the first step. I'm older, I'm married, and I have kids, including a son. So I may have approached it in too casual of an attitude. My apologies many years later. <laughs> no, no. I, I just, I want to know from your standpoint, how would you handle that if, when... You know, there was a, maybe an older person because I was just a kid, mm -hmm. but somebody maybe that's in their 30s or 40s, and you're having to train, train mm -hmm. them all. Mm -hmm. I guess because you you've been a nurse, and you know that that's just secondary. Mm -hmm. You probably don't even think of that those times now. Yeah. Um, again, it's a hopefully you've established rapport before you encounter that activity sure sure you know you're not just this is my first therapy session guess what we're going to work on <laughs> sure absolutely <laughs> you absolutely. know so hopefully you established rapport discussed it ahead of time and and gone on the patient's level of comfort sure. you know um sure. how they feel about it and so uh, it's during uh, lunchtime and we all used to meet in the cafeteria uh, with other patients. So there's about 20 people in, in the cafeteria during this time. 
And I recall one time where uh, you were teaching me how to grasp a glass and instead of using a big old long straw that came to your mouth and, and you sipped it. So my, pro my uh, task for that day, and I can remember like, like it was yesterday, it was trying to grasp that glass and hold it and bring it up to my mouth, but I could not grasp that glass and the glass was not a plastic cup or anything like that. It was just a glass. And I got so frustrated that I recall with my hand, I backhand that glass and that glass went across the room, <laughs> shattered all over. The entire cafeteria got quiet and everybody's looking at me <laughs> and I'm just frustrated as can be. How do you handle situations like that where somebody like myself just lost con complete control of that? Well, the room was quiet. That was the first yeah. way they dealt with it. Yes, <laughs> we all dealt with it. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Um, maybe ask you if you wanted another one sure. <laughs> with a straw this time. Right. Um, understanding not to be angry about it. Um, that's very understandable that you, that was frustrating that you couldn't do that. And that's okay. You know, you know what? It's okay. The sun's going to come out tomorrow. Exactly. And, exactly. You know, it's just part of uh, life and it's part of learning. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. and I, I definitely had a huge learning curve. Right. And I appreciate everything that you had taught me. Uh, because I probably wouldn't be where I'm at today without your assistance yeah. and, and, and your guidance. Yeah, like that day, you know, it's kind of like, did you want to talk about it? You know, that's right. just kind of a good opener. Sure. Or maybe we haven't worked hard enough on your kinodesis action, you know, and sure. that's, we will work more on it. And no, no biggie, they can sweep up that glass. What was your most satisfying part of your job as an occupational therapist? Definitely the outcome. Just to see that the work that you and your patient have done together and to see that they can do it now. And more so than my seeing that they can do it, I think even more satisfying is when, when your patient is pleased with their progress and they know they can do it and they see the benefits. Why now that I can dress myself, I don't have to rely on someone or now that I can prepare a meal, I can feed the kids when I get home. Sure. And they, they see the, resu the results of what we've been working all these months. Can you describe your best race sort of moment at Dallas Rehab Institute yeah, that you can remember? <laughs> I wanted to come up with a really ornery, <laughs> funny story that, or something you did that was so unlike you. But all I could think of was the positive things that, because there were so many. You set such a good example. As a 16 year old, you were usually the youngest or close to the youngest in, in the rehab during your time for sure in your room. I mean, that room had such a reputation. Correct. <laughs> um, I think your experience in your short 16 years as a 
athlete, as a leader in, in your school activities, academically, um, you already had those um, traits to, to really set an example for the other patients. I think as a 16-year-old, you were setting an example for patients older than you, which is a very memorable moment. Well, I appreciate that. You know, I was in that ward that had uh, <laughs> all those other spinal cord injuries, and I, I was the youngest. Yeah. And so I could, you know, we all learned off each other, draw, drew off each other, and I know how difficult that was. And, you know, one of the best moments, or one of not the best moments, but one of the moments uh, uh, is at DRI, which is Dallas Rehab Institute, where I stayed at was, you know, getting to interact with all the different types of people um, that, uh, that were there at, at mm -hmm. the uh, facility and that no one injury was the same. Uh, you know, in my book uh, called The Life I Didn't Expect, Facing Adversity and Winning, I write about all those characters that I roomed with. And uh, the only thing that I wish I would have been able to do now, 40 years later, is was kept in touch with them and I never did that and uh, but uh, all those characters uh, had all different personalities and we all were struggling and we're all going through the same adversity of you know just trying to overcome our injuries and and try to get back in society and uh, I think what you guys did tremendously was uh, a well job done and I, I'm really thankful and appreciative of that. Um, Sherry, can you describe uh, uh, one moment, I guess, uh, um, as an occupational therapist that uh, would you say was, what, what is the most important thing to you as an occupational therapist for that individual to, once he's leaving or she's leaving, uh, can learn from like maybe 20, 30, 40 years down the road. Is there any one thing? One thing? <laughs> well, I'm sure there's probably several things, but if there was any one thing that they could learn from that you had taught them that, uh, that never, maybe never give up or continue to strive to be the best you can, I, you know, any, any encouragement? I think what, what you're saying is very true. I mean, it's going to be difficult and everything is not going to be a success and that's okay that's mm -hmm. okay as long as you are willing to keep at it and look down the road of where you want to be and whatever it takes to get there sure and rely on um, your support system hopefully you have a good one or some part of a good one and rely on it Correct. You and had, you were so fortunate. Yeah. I was very blessed, and had I not had my strong family mm -hmm. support, and families and friends, right. and there's no way I would have been able to get through that ordeal that right. I got through 40 years ago, and um, spent those five months at that rehab center. Mm -hmm. uh, I learned very much. It, 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 I learned. Uh, I grew up very quickly. Yeah, uh, you did. Is, is what I can say. Mm -hmm. So, um, well, that's all the questions that I have for you. Is there anything that uh, 
you could tell our, our viewers or listeners that are maybe going in the medical field of becoming an occupational therapist that one recommendation you would give to them or one advice you could give to them? Go for it. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> I, I think I'm very partial to working in rehab. There's so many areas that an occupational therapist can work in, and I'm not familiar with many of them. You wouldn't dare put me in a pediatric unit, for example. Um, but working in rehab is extremely satisfying, and um, I would encourage them to definitely look into that possibility, but there's many areas, so. Well, Sherry, that's all the time we have, but I appreciate you being on this podcast, Rolling with Ray. Should you have any questions or any comments, please don't hesitate to contact me at uh, book at gmail.com or visit my website at www.thelifeidentexpect.com. You can also follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and of course on my YouTube channel called Rolling with Ray. Thank you so much for watching and listening to my podcast. I look forward to you, to inspiring you my viewers on my next podcast. Thank you so much.